This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The podcast where we delve into those difficult moments with some well-known guests. I'm Giles Prady Phillips, and with me in Chesham, of all places, is Jim Daly. <laughs> this place that I'm still at, still at because I'm not allowed to leave my house. Oh, I sort of am <laughs> yeah. now, but I, 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 I don't know what's happening. We're no. staying put. We're staying put. And also, Chesham. one the time this this podcast comes out, because obviously we record these top and tails often. We do, we're doing it after we've re- recorded the episode, but the episode won't come out for a few weeks, so we don't know where we'll be at then. No, we won't. We yeah, but I suspect we're gonna this uh, this craziness, this pandemic and the lockdown and stuff, still gonna be part of our lives. I think, unfortunately, for quite a while. So I think we'll still be uh, aware of it um, when this comes out. But who knows? You know, the future yeah. is is oh, difficult to predict at the moment. So who knows what's gonna happen? It is. It's very difficult to predict. I'm talking of predicting the future. Well, I've got a tweet here from Cav Paul. It says, just caught up with Stephen Mangan episode. Fantastic stuff. And what a fine fellow he is. Well, very true. Stephen was excellent guest. He is a fine fellow indeed. And that was a, that was a great episode. So thanks, thanks, Cav, for that tweet. And we, we, yeah, and we'd like to hear some more tweets, we'd wouldn't lo- we? We love receiving tweets. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's about old episodes or future episodes you want to see, you know, guests you want to see on the podcast or just general chat. That's a good call. Who you'd like to see on the Blank Podcast? We'd love to hear your recommendations. Absolutely. And we see if we can make it so. Indeed. Patrick Stewart, he'd be a good one. <laughs> or maybe if they can tag them into a tweet as well, then uh, 
Oh, that's always useful. Yeah, peer pressure. <laughs> uh, that'll, yeah, that'll work. Anyway, this week's episode is with the wonderful Ivana Lynch. Indeed, yeah. Well, I mean, we've just recorded it and uh, it was a great episode. Such a warm and, and, and friendly character. Just really nice, very easy to talk to. Um, yeah. And we really go to uh, some yeah. interesting places on this podcast. Absolutely. And Ivana was lovely and very, very open with us about all different aspects of her life um really interesting to hear some of her sort of um the pursuits that she's um into at the moment including astrology which you know is fascinating i don't know a lot about astrology and i'm always open-minded so it's really just interesting to hear all about the sort of things that she's been learning about that and then circus skills she's been learning as well which is amazing i mean she's just so open to new things, which I think is not always good to meet people that are open-minded. And I think that's, that's a, a, you know, a great character trait. She's really mm. using lockdown well. She's really sort of making the most of the lockdown, which is, uh, yeah. The astrology mm. things, it, I found it really fascinating, really interesting. Not a world I'm aware of. but uh, And then it sort of it, it found it, it seeped into actually her life and her acting. And actually it's... It's way more kind of intertwined in life than you, it's not just horoscopes, you know, in the in the newspaper. Actually, there's there's a lot more to it. So um, yeah, I I learned a lot about that today. Yeah, what I was going to say was that it, uh, I think things like astrology often get sort of given a bit of a a, a bad rap um, yeah. because there's that sort of like you say, it's the sort of horoscope type stuff. Well, actually, there's a lot more to it. And um, I think, you know, like most things, if you're willing to put in a bit more time and and effort into sort of really sort of reading up and researching things, there are always more sides to things. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, you never really know any, you never really know a subject or anything until you actually pay attention to it and listen to it. And that's what Ivana's done. And it was, um, yeah, very interesting. I'd, Mm. yeah, it's... uh, I like learning new things. I'm not. I'm not as good as that during the lockdown. I'm not. I'm not using it my time as well. But uh, it's interesting to hear from someone who is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, she's just a bit of a breath of fresh air, and I think that was great. It was really lovely to chat to her. So I think we should just dive straight. Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Uh, this is Ivana Lynch on the Blank Podcast. <laughs> running the podcast for uh we started what was it the end of 2018 ish yeah sort of september 2018 and we had john ronson was our first guest and then yeah it kind of um we've been going since then really and it's just been getting bigger and bigger and getting more and more exciting people on that's great yeah Yeah. because you do a podcast i do i'm on a break now there's such a lot of work like the, the the weekly schedule i think people Everyone starts podcasts, don't they? Because everyone's like, oh, you just have to sit here and chat. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not. It's so much more than that. Um, So, yeah, we do a vegan podcast. But, yeah, we take breaks in between because I just like to be able to read and think and not have to... I don't know. You have to be so conscious, like, because on the one hand, you're like numbers, numbers, trying to get up the numbers. But then I'll have panics where I'm like, I can't believe one person is listening to this for yeah. an hour. They're just listening to me talk. I need to make sure it's good. You know? Yeah, yeah, of course, so. of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're always really kind of um, there's something that's the top of our, our minds, I guess, when we're always producing stuff. I mean, we put ours out every week, but like you, we we try and have breaks now and again just to yeah give people a break. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They need to catch <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. Well, you, you need to have 
breaks to to do yeah. stuff in between, to have stories, to have experiences. Oh, that's so true. To talk about. But you're so right about, like, we, we can't believe that people listen to this. Like, a few months ago, when was it, Giles? End of last year. We were number one in Cuba or something, <laughs> some r- random nice. country. We were like, yeah. what? How? That makes no sense. <laughs> Gotta go do a live but podcast it's, there. It's, I think we should. I think we should. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Um, but it is, it is not, again, it goes back to that grateful thing. Mm. It's, it's incredible that even one person will listen and take their time out to people's time is precious and that they spend it with us is really yeah, it's, it's lovely yeah. how have you been finding not working i mean i'm not saying you're not working <laughs> but not 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 playing not not performing oh my gosh um i've by the way is this the interview yeah okay great great <laughs> sure. some people have a whole thing but i like this better yeah um yeah i i actually was so relieved I just find the pace of life is way too fast. It's too much about like, what are you doing lately? And what's next for you? And um, I I find it's been so much better for my creativity because like I have been for a while, I've been trying to write and and I would do, you know, because I'll, I'll have a lot, I have a few things going. I'll have auditions or I'll have my podcast or whatever else. Mm. And so I would keep sitting down and saying, right, I've got an hour, got to get this writing done. And it's completely the wrong way. Well, for, for me, it doesn't work to kind of strangle your creativity, to mm. kind of try and force it out of you. I I just didn't have enough space. So I would sit there paralyzed, you know, being like, every word is wrong. And this, the whole like isolation quarantine thing, just being like, every day you kind of have nothing. You kind of get to decide what you want to do. I'll sit down and be like, okay, mm. well, I have probably maybe eight hours if I want to, or I could, you know, and I'll, I'll maybe just get an hour or two done of actually working, of, of, of actually sitting there. Mm. But it just gives that space to be, to kind of be like, phew, you know, to exhale and to be free and do whatever. So it's been really great for that. And just also, it's, I feel, I feel like my life is a lot more playful. I don't know how to explain it, but like I'm letting my mind go to places I wanted to go. Like, just taking up random hobbies like I always have been vaguely interested in astrology for one reason but it's just like when you're trying to get things done and you're trying to produce stuff you're like why would I spend two hours learning about freaking astrology you know (laughs) but it's it's just like it's been so nice to let my mind go down all these paths and be like whatever I'm curious about I'm allowed to explore now so yeah, I've really, really loved that. I mean, I miss, because I, I do a lot of theatre and I re- I miss that. I miss the community and I miss mm. um, creative collaboration that way. Um, but I know it'll be back and this is such an unusual time that we have. So I am really kind of savouring it. Yeah, it's good to have it's good to have a positive angle on things, isn't it? I think it'd be very easy in this situation for everyone, creatives and otherwise, to get down mm. with it. And to feel like, you know, we're in an uncertain time and no one knows what's happening. But I think it's to be able to find the positivity from it and to turn that into creativity and turn that into learning new skills, as you're saying with astrology and stuff. I think that's it's difficult, but I think that's that's the way to go. And I think in a way it's almost it's almost quite free. Totally. And just like listening to you, what you want rather than I have to get this done. I have this list. I, like even with my podcast, like I love doing it, but it does get to a point where it's like, 
uh, I have to do this because I said I would and because mm. our deadlines rather than what do you actually what does your intuition telling you to do like I think we can all become a little bit like robots just productivity robots and and not having yeah. anything really any goals any big things to shoot for at the moment I think it's really forcing us to go inside and to be like okay what really matters what do I really want to say when everything shuts down when everything is quiet what is the thing that I like I'm burning to say that I don't just have to say you know what I mean so um yeah, yeah. I, I'm so the astrology <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so new to it don't ask me okay I'm not because I'm like really <laughs> <laughs> um what have you so have you been reading books about it yeah, so there's an astrologer I love. If you're into it, if you're curious about it, want to know more about it, um, she's the Hay House astrologer, Yasmin Boland. And I really liked her because she does um, every morning, actually, she's probably doing it right now at mm. 11, 11 a.m. She does a Facebook Live and she'll talk about the planets and the energies of today. And it's just been for anyone who's feeling a bit like alone or a bit like, because I, I, I feel like people are either, what they're either inclined to be anxious or they're either inclined to be depressed um anxious because they're worrying about the future or depressed because they're just like what's the point of this every mm. day is the same and i would definitely be more yeah. in the i would lean towards getting depressed and her she's just made me feel like yeah she does this every day she's so supportive and she makes you just feel like we're okay in the now and there's you know there's a purpose to life even though it's we don't know what what next weekend holds or when we'll see people so she's been great she she has a course um uh and because she does astrology and moonology so you know the way people talk about the oh, moon okay. cycles yeah, yeah. yeah like the new moon and the full moon and they're like oh the moon is in this and you know people are talking about venus retrograde and i'd always be like oh it's venus retrograde so shit is going down but not actually not actually have a clue what that means yeah. and so it's actually it's really nice to to study what does it, it and mean? Be like oh it makes sense so venus retrograde is um venus is like the planet of love so uh, yeah. venus retrograde but venus is going backwards so you might feel like a kind of hankering for the past shall we say okay you yeah, might yeah. re want to revisit um old relationships or friendships it's the time of year or time of month when X tend to text you and you'll need to be like on guard. You need to be like, okay, don't don't just lean into <laughs> oh, this because it's Venus retrograde. Is this good for me? Is this something I want to explore further or am I just being taken for a ride by Venus retrograde? Okay. I think that's what it means anyway. That sounds, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> have you had that have you had exes have you have you had exes? no so i i actually start to panic because i was like none of my exes have texted me and all the astrologers are talking about oh your loves past loves so i texted my therapist and i was like i just feel so left out that none of my exes are texting and she's like no this is good this means you've been doing the real work and that you're not a victim to these whims and she was like it means that you ended your relationships in a healthy way and you've dealt with those emotions yes. so i was like great <laughs> But I did. You <laughs> do good. feel left out when your life doesn't kind of mirror yeah, what everyone else is going through. Yeah. And what star sign are you then? Leo and okay. Leo rising. And that's something I'm learning from it, that the rising sign is almost, it's more important actually than, yeah, the, the sun sign they call it. Okay. Because the rising sign is how you uh, come across to the world, how you appear, whereas your star sign is like your inner self um and oh, okay. it shows you like also 
Where because there's twelve houses. I don't know. Do you know anything about astrology? Or Not a lot. No, I'm inter- no, I'm really I'm interested. I'm learning so much. Now. Okay. Yeah, anyway, this is just like basics. You know, I'm just new to this, so apologies if I'm messing <laughs> up. But I do I do read the things over and over, so I don't think I'm telling false information. But anyway, yeah, there's twelve houses. So me being uh, Leo rising means like my Cancer is in the twelfth house because you've got every every sign. All 12 signs of the zodiac are in you mm. in some way. So, it like, or or I can't remember what the house is, but, like, my love house is Aquarius, which means I love, like, an Aquarius. So, like, I like kind of weird people, unusual people, and uh, I don't like clinginess, that kind of thing. And even, like, say I did it on my mom, and my mom and I are really, really close, but she's she's a Virgo rising, and her Leo is in the twelfth house, which is the house of like fears, uh, kind of dark stuff that you kind of want to explore. And I and it made me make it made so much sense to my mom because I'm I'm always just like, why is she so anxious and shy and like she has a hard time showing up and expressing herself. Um, she gets really nervous, even if she accompanies me. If she was here, like doing this interview with me, she would be like actually feeling sick you know and i get frustrated i'm like why, why can't you just you know you you have so much interesting stuff to say why do you get freaked out but it's because her leo is in the 12th house so it means okay. that she has a fear of being seen and showing up whereas you know leos in first house are people who are like we love being seen we love being <laughs> you'll find a lot of leos in show business basically yeah okay so. and it's funny you were saying about the sun thing because yeah. Is that re- related to the fact that Leo's is kind of, it's a sort of summer, I was thinking like the birthdays for Leo, is it July, August-ish? Oh, well, no, sun sign, everyone's sun sign. Okay, I think, okay. So, like, Leo rising means, I think it's right, I think, wait, so like, your star sign is whatever, <laughs> your, if, if I'm Leo, that's my star sign, yeah. but Leo rising, that's my sun sign. Okay, so Your okay, sun okay, sign okay, could be you know, yeah, cancer yeah. or whatever, yeah, so, so no. No. <laughs> No, it's my me being stupid. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I'm a Libra. You, Libra, okay. yeah. Um, which I've always thought is the, that's the no, water no, it's the balance. It's, balance. The, it's the scales. So yeah. I always think like the idea of being. I quite like that because I do feel like I'm quite a balanced. Actually, I'm not a balanced individual at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think they, they're not? generally. I think there's things like I'm a bit of a people pleaser. I think that's quite a Libra a librarian uh-huh. thing. Um, right. What, what about you, Jim? What what star sign are you? Do you know? I'm Gemini. Oh, oh God. Gemini. Gemini's are the worst. No, yeah. Gemini. And so it's your it's your time. It's the Gemini. We just had the Gemini new moon. Gemini's are like yeah. It's my birth. It's my birthday on oh, Sunday. Oh, very nice. Um, Gemini, isn't that like chatty, like friendly? Uh, Gemini's also like the sign for friendships, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Maybe I'm um, in my head, it's it's the two, it's the twins, yeah, the isn't twins. it? So, so in my head, it's the, it's the sign of like multiple personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> two fate. How dare you? Um, yeah, I don't. It's, it's funny actually. I've never really paid much attention to that kind of thing. But as you're talking about it, it it actually makes a lot of sense, and I think it can probably help you understand the way people act mm. and the way you act, and could probably, in a way bring a bit of peace to that exactly actually, it makes you so much more give compassion. You a few answers. yeah like you're patient with people and yourself and it helps you manage like the kind of shadow parts of your personality the darker sides you know like 
because each side has has really great qualities and but they also if certain things are not honored about you certain values that are important to you then you can just go just like that the other way so yeah it definitely helps you just have patience for yourself and others and just manage like me and my friend do it a lot and sometimes we read the the horoscopes and it's like oh I'm not that but it's like if you're a conscious person and if you're working on this like I know with Leo's um I try I, I, I try to focus on the good in us because there's a lot of like annoying qualities about Leo's that um they can get quite arrogant or they can get quite um egotistical if you're not like say for me I find that if I'm not doing my work showing up if, and if I'm just watching other people in the spotlight and they're doing great things, I can get really jealous and then I can get arrogant and I can get like mean about them. Whereas mm. if I'm actually doing, you know, a Leo standing in their truth is like expressing themselves, showing up, not playing small. If I'm doing that, then I'm more, I'm more generous and I'm more loving and that's like the good sides of Leo. So it really helps me just to have that understanding it's like oh i'm not a mean horrible shit person i'm just a little bit out of balance you know so it's a way for you to check yourself then yeah yeah definitely Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's so interesting i would recommend going into it but i also like there's so much to it it's so complicated and uh i had the other day i was like reading about this and then some the astrologer the astrologer who i follow she was like oh by the way there's all there's several different systems to um of of astrology so she's like you could be a completely different house in a different astrology system and then what else who was telling me there's just so many kind of ways of divination someone was telling me about the I Ching which is like a Chinese symbolic language um god there literally there was like I, I I was getting so excited about learning astrology and then I somebody told me about all these other different strands and then I was like what Jesus what am I supposed to do like I can't learn these all at once and maybe this is all wrong and it's just overwhelming but Mm. I think you know because there's just endless information and knowledge and if you read too much astrology it all starts to contradict each other yeah but for me I was like okay this is the one that's resonating with me it's making a lot of sense so I'm just going to ignore the other ones. Yeah, I think, I mean, well, I think that's wise, actually, to go in, you know, if you're learning about something new, you you got to take out of it what you want to get out of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay, so get ready for mm. this link, Giles. Speaking of the stars <laughs> aligning, your journey into acting was something of a fairy tale, in a way, yeah. wasn't it? It was, it was, it was very unheard of. True, it was crazy. True, true. Yes. You want me to talk about it? Tell yeah, us about okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I ruined the link. I started so strong. No, no, no. I started so strong and I just... No, oh, dear. Sorry. Um, yeah. I, um, well, because, yeah, I didn't... Hey, where do I start? I was 14 when I got the role in Harry Potter mm. and I I had done... I'd not done any professional acting because I, I lived in the countryside in Ireland and it just wasn't really a career option um and I but I was going to drama classes because I was really really shy as a child and it, it acting was kind of the only thing that helped me that kind of freed me a bit so um yeah I was like into it and then I was also really obsessed with Harry Potter of course um and I just yeah I was obsessed, obsessed with the films and then when I um, the fifth book in 2003 was when Luna Lovegood came into the books 
and I just absolutely fell in love with her character. Um, oh, and I just found out an interesting astrology fact, interesting astrology okay, link yeah, between yeah. Luna and myself. <laughs> okay, so Luna is um, an Aquarius, and that's the house for people who are like very quirky. Um, it's uh, what is it? An air sign, you know, air people are very, they're much more calm and spiritual. And I, I, when I first found out she was Aquarius, I was like, oh, I wanted to be like her. But I also know I'm very, very different to Luna. I have like, I'm much more, I'm much more fire, much more determination. Mm. And I'm not as like accepting. So there's definitely, and, but I think when I found out that I was like, bummer. But so Leo, the, let me try and the descendant of Leo. So Imagine all the houses are a circle, um, so you'll be you'll be directly opposite one, and Aquarius is directly opposite, and that means that's the house of like relationships, uh, love, partnership. So that means Leos and Aquariuses are compatible. Anyway, it just was very exciting to me because I was like, oh, <laughs> that means like I have an understanding for her, uh, but we're very different, and and that's maybe why it worked that partnership anyway <laughs> just i love it's really interesting when when fictional characters when you when their astrology has been and jk rowling thinks about everything yeah you know of course she's yeah yeah about that too so when did yeah. you uh, when did you first what how did you first discover harry potter though like did you was it through the films or was it the books the books, the books. yeah and so when i was eight mm. my mom um we're big readers in my family my parents are both teachers Pretty much all my family have gone on to be teachers. Like my mom and dad will, would have said when we were growing up, don't be a teacher, don't ever be a teacher. Because like, <laughs> as much as they like their job, they never leave their job yeah. at home. You know, they're always worrying about Yeah, It's such yeah. a it's huge responsibility, yeah. it is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, massive. You're responsible for this person growing up and yeah. forming who they're yeah. going to be. It's crazy. So that's what they always said. But anyway, all my other siblings ended up being teachers. So it's a very bookish house. And... um yeah, one day my mum, she was trying to get me off the Babysitter's Club books because I was really obsessed with them. And I was getting a bit like, I was just being extremely girly. And I think I, I was at eight, year, eight years old pestering my mum for me to start a Babysitter's Club. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, I can do this. I can mind four-year-olds, you know. Um, and, uh, and anyway, so she came home from the library one day and she had a Harry Potter book because she said my aunt had told us about it and I really didn't want to read it because I was like I don't want to read about a boy yeah. <laughs> I'm like I want female protagonists um but she read a chapter to my brother and I was so enthralled and I they went to sleep and then I stole that book and that was it it was mine <laughs> and then and then from then I was just completely obsessed with the books absolutely loved them yeah became my whole thing yeah and I love the idea I love the idea of that connection to the character as well on more than just a kind of normal level that's really fascinating and i guess that that helped you to embody her character when you know you went to the castings and stuff because you have to know so much about when you're going to a casting you have to sort of take on so much about this 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 person's character but you kind of almost had a connection to already yeah and i think you're right about that like you have to you have to have a whole person formed in your mind like you can't just be what's on the page that limited to that you you have to have a life to them and you have to have 
decisions on them that the director and the casting people won't know and like that's what I always loved about working with David Yates on Harry Potter was he always credited me with knowing more about Luna and being more in Mm. tune with her where some directors will be like this is my character and I'm gonna sculpt you you know like yeah you know that joke on friends there's like this crazy director and he i think he just goes oh my talking props and i'm like that's exactly how some directors treat you (laughs) like you're puppets for them and that's not how it should be you should know the role inside out um so i had that but i also think i i was a bit removed from her and i because i don't i think it'd be really hard to play yourself like a lot of people Mm. when i played that role they were like wow she is you and it's like no no i think i really like I admire her so much and that for me is the best place at which to, the kind of best characters to play people who I who inspire me and mm. who I aspire to be like but I know I'm not so like yeah Luna was someone who she really helped me through a lot of dark periods in my life and I always felt like I wish I could be more like that I wish I could be more accepting of myself I wish I could not stress out or be as anxious than that and just having and so and but but kind of in some ways being completely at odds to her being the opposite of her gave me more insight into her i don't know how i don't know if that makes sense but i do i do think when you're playing someone who's too similar to you it's really hard to have objectivity and i don't know i just don't think it will really work like i actually got sent a script a few days ago for a video game and it was like to play it was a pretty weird concept for a game it was like dating game so the character was like going on a date with your character and uh the character was like vegan activist into yoga and i was like i am not doing this i am not playing myself here no thank you yeah but um guys just going back to that because you you just um sort of alluded to it the fact that harry harry potter and luna helped you i know you had a difficult time you know when you were about 11 weren't you i think when you you had an eating disorder Mm -hmm. um how how what how was it that they helped you um during that time um so yeah so i had an eating disorder when i was young so yeah like 11 12 13 um and the thing with eating disorders it's like addictions you know anything it just consumes you consumes your whole life your whole personality like anyone with an eating disorder will know you just never stop thinking about when you have time to exercise, what you're going to eat next, how you can eat less, how you can hide your food, all that stuff. You're just, it's constantly, and it's so exhausting and it's so dark. Mm. And the only thing in that time that would make me stop, get, like not get off that train of thought, that dark spiral was Harry Potter. I would read that and I would just feel like I had a break because it was like it was you know the characters are so real you really relate to what mm. harry's going through just feeling like a fraud and feeling like why is he chosen for this thing but it's also totally removed from our worlds like whereas i couldn't enjoy things like sitcoms or tv shows because i would just see people who were who uh, were you know even actresses like who were beautiful and thin and you would worry you would wonder have they got an eating disorder and you would feel like you have to compare yourself to them whereas a book you can just disappear into and I wasn't going to, you know, start comparing myself to the wizards. It was really like mm. escapist. Um, <laughs> and then Luna in particularly really helped me because she was so completely different to kind of the demons in my mind or the dark things I was thinking. Like I was just obsessed with perfection and I was obsessed with trying to 
like find ways to be loved or to be accepted whereas she didn't give a shit about that you know she Mm. was so she was so free and so like she just wasn't thinking of herself she had this beautiful curiosity curiosity about the world and everyone about everyone around her and you only have that um kind of curiosity or ability to delve deep into things when you have a full self-acceptance like if you're stuck in yourself and worried yeah. about who you are and who you're coming across you never actually fully listen you never take somebody in and so i just like when i when i would meet her i would feel real a huge sense of relief every time she was on the page i would feel such relief and i would also feel like whoa i want to be like that i don't want to just be obsessed with being perfect and i don't want to be obsessed with my way i want to like have wide interests and have a life the way she does and she yeah she was just much more interesting and i i actually felt a sense of shame when i would read her because i felt like i was wasting my life and that was just that and alone in itself was a wake-up call it's like wow this is actually the things that i'm devoting my whole time Mm. and energy to is not what i really want for myself That is so powerful. That's a, such a powerful reaction to a character. I think it's why people underestimate sometimes how much power books yeah. can have and, and good writing mm. can have on people, that it can actually be life-changing so and, it can, and it can help someone change the way they look at the world and at themselves. And clearly that's what happened to you at what is a very impressionable age anyway. And I think, you know, the problems you were going through, a lot of people feel similar problems about the way the world sees them and how good they need yeah. to be throughout their life in in total but I just it's so interesting to hear you say that about that connection to the character because that just sounds like such a powerful sort of shift change a really important part of your life yeah totally and like they they I've had that with several fictional characters none as powerful as Luna but they can completely lift you out of a dark Mm. place in a way that I don't think people can because they're people and like you know I definitely would have had that with even with my therapist at the time, I got a bit obsessed with her. And, you know, I'm like, she's the answer. She's the way out of it. But, of course, she has her life. She has her family. It's a it's a different relationship. So I don't really think the people around you, closest to you, can be that help or support system. And, and I suppose that's also why people get really obsessed with celebrities. You know, they, 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 they can, yeah. ob- like, look at them objectively or, or just... They can study them in a way that it would be... You can't study the, the friends or people or family in your life. Um, and yeah, just having her as like almost an archetype. Just to, to read her and to be like, this is what this is how she lives her life. This is her mindset. This is how I can be. And, and, and an archetype that I would then try and embody in the world. You know, I would... Even like after I got the part... The, one of the beautiful qualities of Luna is she uh, never feels she she accepts herself wherever she is and she never questions whether she belongs here and of course like after Harry Potter I would go I was suddenly in a whole bunch of new weird rooms where there's like successful and famous people and I I normally would feel very insignificant or question why mm. I was there but whenever I would tap into Luna, it'd be like, oh, Luna doesn't ever question that. She never has this egoic struggle of like, why am I here? Why do I deserve to be here? She just enjoys it. She enjoys life. She lets herself go into it. And she, curiosity, that's where she, that's kind of her point of focus for everything. So I think like, yeah, 
archetypes and you know people work with this in like say Jungian psychology they they talk about the different archetypes and, and and that's great but I almost feel like characters in books and literature or even in tv shows whatever they're more detailed archetype you know like that and for yeah. me yeah she was somebody who I would try and channel or try and tap into so much so that I got to play her you know yeah. like it was I, I went uh, yeah I went very amazing. far with it but I, I, I think it's, <laughs> it's so true like when people when they feel that relationship with fictional characters you should use it in your personal life like what is it about them that you love what is it that you want to embody what do you want to practice and and let them help you that way but, but isn't it inspiring because those qualities were in you yeah so you there must have been a level of self-confidence in there because you saw those qualities in her and thought I can do that and be like that. So even though you were struggling, those qualities were in you and you still recognised that they were there. Totally, yeah. Um, yeah, you, like, I mean, but we have all those, we have everything in us, really. And I think it's just a matter of nurturing certain qualities. And I think I'd just been nurturing the wrong qualities. I'd been leaning into the darker sides of me and, and letting those take over. And Luna yeah. was just all light and... Yeah, I think that's why I was so obsessed with her because I was like, I am that, I have that. I just haven't given myself permission to be that because I'm ashamed yeah. or I'm embarrassed or I'm afraid that the world won't accept me. So yeah, you're right. Like seeing her out there being that way gave me permission to like yeah. nurture those qualities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and you, I know this, you've talked about this before, but you famously sort of wrote to J.K. Rowling as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I wrote to her well before I got the role. Um, just to like, to, to say thank you. Mm. I, I, I just, and you know, she was such a loving, generous person. She talks about her struggles, um, you know, being a single, single parent and being poor and everything. And I just was like, she understands what it's like to just be feeling really broken and to be at your to always be in a dark place and um, so I wrote to her and I thanked her and I just explained to her what the books meant to me um and then yeah she wrote back it was obviously a time in her life where she was not quite as yeah. uh, I don't know inundated with requests I actually don't think she answers fan mail individually anymore because she's trying to save her time for creativity but um, at the time, yeah, she got my letter and whatever it was, it spoke to her. And I just think that's an amazing quality that she has that she can care about. I, like I was probably eight, nine or 10 when I wrote to her. And, you know, most people who have that level of success and have so many demands, they wouldn't just think to say, I'm going to take an hour of my day mm. and write to this yeah. nine year old who I don't know. But um, she has I mean, and she really cares for children. You kind of see that in her work with mm. Lumos. She try so hard to to help children um so yeah I wrote to her she wrote back and then we started we just kind of struck up a pen friendship um and I was writing to her and like half the letter would be just about nerding out over Harry Potter <laughs> and telling and this was when the books had not been fully written you know we were on like yeah. book five or well after book five and so I'd be like, this is what I think going to happen. And this is the character. And this is the bit I hated and everything. So half of it was that. And then half of it was talking about like real heavy stuff. Um, and and that was when I was in and out of hospitals and clinics. So I, I wrote to her. And I like p people have kind of trivialized the story or just simplified it. They mm. say like, oh, J.K. Rowling told you to get better. And you did for her. And it's so wrong. I hate when people... Yeah 
um, yeah. share this false story because it's not for, you know, it's not out of pride. I'm not trying to get the credit or anything. I'm just saying it's really irresponsible to say that you can recover from a mental illness for someone. You mm. only do it for yourself. And because it will make other people feel like they're failing because it did for my mom for so many years. She was like, you know, why can't I get you to recover? Yeah. What am I not doing? I'm a terrible parent. Like that, and that's something I've only really come to terms with in years since then to be like, wow, what I put my parents through to like how how much they had to deal with their own insecurities through it yeah. so to say jk rowling offered you a role in the film and you got better yeah. no way first of all she didn't do that she didn't do that i remember she did say she wrote me a letter saying um oh, if you ever want to come to the set i'm sure i could help you know i could make that happen and that was very generous of her and she she was like i could definitely talk to them about getting you a role as an extra but i literally remember i wrote to her and i was like i can't be an extra joe because i really want to be luna and if they see me <laughs> as an extra playing a, it's luna yeah, if i'm if i'm there playing a random slytherin on screen continuity wise it yeah. wouldn't work so um there was that but she never offered me the role and like you know there were so many times where I'd write to her being like, yeah, I'm making progress. I'm feeling much better and I've gained a bit of weight. And then I'd have a complete breakdown and I'd, I'd relapse and, and then I'd go back into clinic and then I'd have to write to her again and be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm real. you know, I, I had that guilt that like, wow, I'm letting J.K. Rowling down. Even somebody who's been so kind and generous and giving, you know, in, in giving their support and writing to me, you know, this person who I idolize, who I absolutely love, she's done all that and I still can't recover. I won't even recover for her. Like, there was a lot of guilt around that. But it's also, I think people should understand that about mental illness. You can't, you can't, like, incentivize it. And if you're trying to do yeah. that and it's failing, you're not failing. Like, that's that's just what it is. It's, it's this person's struggle. As much as you might be involved as a friend or as a family member, it's, it's not on you to make them recover. Absolutely. I think people ha don't have a, an understanding of the complexities of mental illness. And I think sometimes a lot of people, like those reporters or whatever, don't want to. It's almost like they don't want to actually try and understand what it's about. They just want a simple answer. And life is not full of simple yeah. answers. Life is full of complicated grey areas. Things are not easy. Things are not simple. Yeah. And trying to trivialize it and make it simple and black and white i think only makes things more difficult for people life is complex like it's it's things are not things are not simple that's so true that's so true of like mental illness you know you know i love how people say mental illness it's not just when you have an illness it's something you're it's a scale you have it your whole life and you just have to manage it but yeah i mean i i've seen that with i think the the journalists and reporters they always report that and make it sensational because that i don't know what it's like appealing to the worst part of people to the and mm. and it, it does get attention and even like i've had that because i talk about this because i want to help people mm. and i want to I, also for yeah. my own health it's good to like it's been really good to kind of speak about it openly and get a bit more distance from that side of my life um but whenever i if I ever do an interview like talking about something else, if I spend like 30 seconds talking about this, that will be the headline. And that makes me, that annoys me because it's like, yeah. wow, you like that's the most interesting thing about me that I one time had an illness. Yeah. Like that, that's that what and and then it makes me feel bad. <laughs> you know, it's like, what, what, what about my other projects? Are they not worth considering? So I don't, I don't like it. I don't like that. And you know, I, I think some people 
they do cling on to their mental illness as like a sense of identity or as a sense of I've suffered I'm interesting you know Mm. and it shouldn't be that like it's it's just not the most interesting part about you if it's any consolation the only two notes I've made are astrology insta live and venus retrograde (laughs) so those are my that's my takeaway from the interview today (laughs) I'm really pleased (laughs) I hope you do pursue astrology if you're interested yeah, I might do, but I'm also thinking that Venus Retrograde is an amazing name for a band. Oh! It, is. it is a good band name. <laughs> that it? has to be taken. <laughs> Moving forward a little bit, once you're... You, obviously, you went and auditioned, and there was gazillions of other people that auditioned, um, mm-hmm. but obviously you got the part. What was it like that first day on set? Oh, my God. It was terrifying. It was so overwhelming. <laughs> um, the first day on set we did, it was a big group scene. Um, it was in the room of requirement, so there was loads of other people. So it wasn't like, you know, I think all I had to do was be like, we're Doctor or something or Revelio. I, I can't remember the charm exactly, but it, it wasn't like I had to have a big scene with Daniel Radcliffe or anything um, that came a bit later on. So I had a bit, like, I got more relaxed into the atmosphere um and just how filming worked Mm. um but i was so i just couldn't stop thinking like this is a harry potter film this is a harry potter film i think everyone else was like this is work and we're playing Mm. and Mm. we're experimenting which is exactly what it should be it should be about playing experimentation whereas i kept like going up to david yates and i'd be like is that the take you're going to use like you know i was just like is that the take that's going to be on screen seen by millions of people and will be immortalized forever (laughs) you know i just couldn't so that i was really yeah my perfectionism kicked in i was like i gotta do everything right and i couldn't understand how everyone all the other kids around me were like laughing and having fun and they were they were not even talking about harry potter they were talking about like their love lives and like just whatever other drama was going on i was just like why is nobody taking this seriously um (laughs) but I mean, I really, I learned over the course of filming that perfectionism is so paralyzing. You mm. never want to turn up on set and be like, I got to nail this take. It has to be about play and experimentation and like you kind of uh, ease into it or, or yeah, it's all about, it's all about discovery, really, not, not trying to nail a take. I think that's a stupid myth. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, oh, sorry, Giles. I, I think that's a good uh, lesson for life a lot of people try to be perfect in everything they do and you're absolutely right that we said before in the, the interview Giles on this podcast that the journey mm. is almost more important and more fun than the end result and the perfection mm. and I guess you have to have a level of a level of trust like trust in yourself that you're going to turn up and do a decent take trust in the director that they're going to you know to give you the right notes trust in the editor that they're going to pick exactly. the right scene you know it's all about it's a collaboration those sort of things on it? yourself too much it's collaboration That's not true exactly. like it's very arrogant to think that it's like it's only on you you have to be the yeah. one controlling this and getting this right you're right like uh, that uh, and i had to do that with yeah with the director to be like oh he knows he's got it mm. too like i'm not the only one who is who's who's worried about the quality here like <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, everyone yeah. else's yeah. job there's too. quite a lot of money on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah. and there was like those performances that's the thing the difference with uh like big budget movies and small scale things like there's on those big budget movies there's so many people involved mm. in your performance 
like even like the costume is a big part of it the look and like people spend hours working on that and even like there's a scene in i think it's yes yeah, in the sixth movie where dumbledore dies and there's this scene where we all put up our wands and everyone's crying and it's moving we didn't cry like those tears were added by cgi you know <laughs> so it's like yeah, yeah like and that's quite unusual wow. that's quite i think it was a decision yeah. they made afterwards like it's not like david gates was trying to get us to cry and we couldn't it was just something afterwards and they were like you know what it's gonna be less expensive and take less time to just well, do just it do it cgi yeah <laughs> rather than doing a reshoot and trying to get everyone to weep in tandem um so but yeah, i mean it just like those things it's not really a raw performance there are definitely moments mm. of course where things will be raw but um i certainly found like while doing it yeah the onus is not all on you there's so many eyes on you and there's people and you almost you have to fight to kind of get your your word across and and luckily david yates as i said earlier he was so open to that and he was so open to collaborative collaborative uh what am i trying to say just just collaboration <laughs> but other directors like that was such a skill on a set like that a set of that scale other directors would definitely yeah. turn into you know um dictators and want to control mm. everything um, so what yeah. about life on set in general obviously you would have had to have done school stuff while you were there yeah what what what, what was like adjusting to life on set generally you know your day-to-day -day kind of you know having to do mm. things like school or you know just i don't know just living through that every day-to-day -day kind of stuff that you're having to do but on a set yeah um yeah well we legally had to have a minimum of three hours of tutoring a day um which doesn't sound like a whole lot but it, it actually was way more intense than normal mm. school normal school you can doze off there's 20 other people, 30 other people to take the teacher's attention. But like the teachers are like breathing, <laughs> breathing in your face and making sure that you're um, concentrating. So that was a lot. And it was just also really hard to concentrate because like we had this tutoring corridor and you'd be there doing your maths. And then like somebody walk, would walk by with like a magnificent beard and a fabulous hat. Like wizards <laughs> would just be walking yeah. by the window. And I'd be like, well, I just want to get out there and join them. Yeah. And some of the cast were basically as soon as you hit 16, I think Rupert did when he hit 16. He just, he was like, nope, done with school. Yeah. No, thank you. Whereas Emma was different. She was like <laughs> soldiering on. She was determined to do her A-levels. And obviously she went to Brown and Oxford. Um, but I was definitely more sympathetic towards Rupert. I was like, yeah, um, I yeah. want to just quit as soon as I can. And I couldn't because, as I said, I had have teacher parents. That wasn't an option for me. But <laughs> it was definitely hard to focus but like they made it as normal as they could like i they got me an irish teacher in london um and like i did i did things like in my in in ireland we have a year called transition year between like your your um gcse's and a levels though we don't call it that but between those exams mm. you have a year where you're supposed to like get work experience so um and you're supposed to like put on shows and things. So I got work experience. I got to do work experience in the makeup department, in the costume department, in the art department. So like that was amazing. Cool. Yeah, like, other cool. people are there working in, you know, the local shop. I was like, great. It, it was really cool. But they, they made me do extremely boring jobs. They made me like sew on the names <laughs> of the extras onto their Hogwarts uh, robes. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't doing any design <laughs> stuff or anything. Yeah, but no, it was like... The d it definitely got you got into a routine into a rhythm um yeah three hours tutoring a day and um and it was its own little thing like if you've ever been there leaves and studios is 
like a village of its own it's mm. totally separate from the world and um and we were teenagers and nobody had social media so we weren't the whole filming yeah. part felt completely removed from the actual publicity and being out there like it didn't feel like we were famous or that we were actors mm. really it was just like we were going to work and we were having fun and um doing school and yeah it felt it felt really really normal i think it would be very different to do those films now i was gonna say yeah with social media yeah, that would be yeah. a massive distraction for you guys wouldn't it if you were sort of instagramming yeah. and stuff like people we didn't even i have no behind the scenes photos for example mm. because we didn't really we maybe just yeah. about had those small flip up picture phones but <laughs> iphones were not like the thing really so yeah and i'm glad i'm glad we didn't have I'm glad we were able to focus um but yeah I don't know it would be very different it would be very hard for them to like keep it secret yeah that's the thing isn't it yeah yeah I think um it sounds like it's a real skill to have all the people you were working with um I heard I, I listened ages ago I listened to um Daniel Radcliffe's um, Desert Island Discs mm-hmm. on Radio 4 mm-hmm. and it's really good and he comes across really sounds like such a nice guy but he was saying about being on set and it's a couple of years before you joined but they used to treat them treat the actors like kids first mm, actors second definitely. and he said that was a really good way of making them sort of grow up naturally throughout the process I think and I think that's I'd never really thought before about movie sets where you've got kids involved you, you of course you have to do everything differently you have to you know make sure you're protecting these young people and at the same time getting performances out of them and it sounds like they got the balance on that set absolutely yeah. right for you guys to flourish totally and the producers were brilliant in like they 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 just never they did that they really treated us as yeah young people and that our 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 i suppose our school life was just as important as the films even though it wasn't you know to them it wasn't <laughs> but like they they respected that and they never there's yeah. a certain amount of hours you can film i remember so many times we'd be in the midst of a scene and david yates is one of those d- directors who are notorious for going just one more one more guys one more and he'll do 10 more um it's never just one more um but he he would be doing that and we'd be almost there and then I think it was Cliff was like the first on the first one I did, the first um, assistant director. And he'd be like, oh, that's it, we've got to call it. Like the day would end. And I would go up to him and be like, I won't tell the lawyers, I promise. Like, I, I think we should just get this scene. But they were like, no, sorry, we've got timesheets. It was really, really strict about that. So, um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, there was also nobody talking about like, your career beyond this trying to you know now everyone's like about building your brand and building your yeah. image like that was yeah. so alien to me when that all started and i see young actors who have these like shit hot like social media and websites and everything they've got all their headshots and we were not that at all we were not kind of trained for the media that way and i'm glad because it kept us normal um but sometimes i do feel like whoa i wonder if i'd be further ahead if i if i was that savvy to publicity the way young actors these days are i was just gonna say it doesn't sound like something that would have we talked right at the start of this interview about knowing yourself and discovering yourself doesn't sound like that's something that would have been you anyway yeah no it it wouldn't have i'd have been really lost Mm. um and i did find that way more overwhelming than the actual acting like i never really gave a second thought the acting i was just like great just show up and play have fun and and just basically play out all the scenarios of harry potter that i've been playing in my head for years (laughs) that was easy (laughs) it was just the whole 
oh, suddenly you're a celebrity or suddenly you're an mm. actor. Like, even when people started introducing me as an actor, I was like, uh, no, I've, I've done a few scenes in a movie. I'm not an actor, you know? So that that was a difficult adjustment. And yeah, when because also part of being a fan is you're obsessed with... I was obsessed with the actors and the films who I was working with. So suddenly for, for it to be switched and to have people interviewing me as if I had something interesting to say, I was just like, I, I just don't know what to say. It was... I mostly just banged on about Harry Potter, yeah. <laughs> which I loved it. But yeah, that that was the only. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, part. just like yeah, post Harry Potter is that is that been mm. difficult adjustment then? Like you're saying, like you know, people are expecting something of you, um, to a certain extent. Is it is it tricky? Um, is it challenging? Yeah, like it, it, the years after Potter were the the hardest. I think just the pressure I put on myself to be because like harry potter was so huge it's the biggest thing it's still the thing people my name is kind of synonymous with and that's what they think of they don't and it's not i don't consider that the peak of my career you know like i was 14 and i i i look at that and it's like it's a kind of only a few a few minutes in my life and i didn't really know myself when i was 14 so i don't Uh, yeah I, I think other people from the outside will see it as that but to me it's like no a lot of the work I've done since I mean look I the, the writing on Harry Potter is just amazing out of this world and I've had other scripts since where I'm like why can't it be JK Rowling writing this because <laughs> because they don't write the characters with as much depth or detail but I just feel like I've done like plays I've done smaller movies where i feel i've got more i put more of myself into Mm, it or mm. i feel like i've got it's more challenging or more fulfilling or something like that so so it was i think it was difficult for the first few years because i was just like i have to top harry potter and that Mm. was a ridiculous task to give myself Mm. and i also didn't really have much acting experience so um the industry was really difficult um to navigate and because i had people telling me well you can't do smaller things. You've got to keep going up. But then it was like this conundrum because it's like, well, how do I gain the experience I need if I'm always trying to find something that will match Harry Potter? So I like after yeah. a few years, I kind of went, well, fuck that. I, I want to actually experience and live life. And I don't really care if it's commercially successful now. If it speaks to me, that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite freeing, I think, isn't it, actually? Mm. That must have felt a bit of sort of like a weight off your shoulders just to be able to crack on and 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 be you and again like we said earlier in the interview doing things you want to do you know we talked about in the lockdown doing what you want to do doing what speaks to you Mm. um and i think that's important rather than trying to match up to something that's this you know this big thing that's difficult to match up to. yeah yeah completely yeah i don't know what else to say about that but i just i mean people are a bit obsessed with commercial success or things that are big and um you know that's like harry potter is one of those unique things where it has so much heart to it so i get why it's so i get why it's big and i love that it's huge but um yeah like i I just i just don't think that 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 means success that that always means that's or that's what you should be aiming for Mm. i just more see it like oh you should aim for something that feels authentic to you and that feels like ooh, this is going to be an interesting challenge and you know sometimes for me that maybe it is a something a big movie like i've had that where i've like really really hustled to try and get parts in in bigger things when i know the competition is fierce 
but other times it's like you know i did i did a play a few years ago disco pigs and mm. it was like well it was in um Chicago studio so it wasn't like it, but it was a small theater it was like 200 seats and and that to me was that like that role was so exciting and so weird and different so and i was kind of like i'm enjoying this just as much as i would being on any big set yeah yeah, yeah and i think it's i mean i think that's incredibly courageous to actually sort of say okay i'm gonna do stuff that i really want to do um because it would be in some respects although you were saying it's you know you're putting yourself up for bigger things i think in some respects after the success and you could ride off that success and and want to do sort of bigger things i think it's really uh, i think it's a really brave and courageous thing to suddenly say okay look i'm going to do stuff that interests me i'm going to do stuff that um gets my my yeah. fire going you know i think that's i think that i mean all power to you for that i think because i think that's um i think as artists and and creatives i think that's what keeps us doing it mm, yeah yeah i just don't know like this idea that we all have to reach the top i mm. i just think some of us are more obscure you know it doesn't and that's valuable too like it doesn't i just I, yeah i just really hate this pressure that oh what have you done since or um just, yeah just, just i suppose the attitude people have towards they gain respect for you when you do a certain scale of project and um i mean for another of my weird side hobbies is circus which i really is love. it oh yeah i love it i do like aerial and um acro acro balance wow and it's really fun but like even in that community there's just so many amazing artists who are completely anonymous mm. and that, that like they work so hard they're so skilled um they spend hours doing these really quite strange uh, hobbies and that's what i admire i admire that craft that commitment to exploring themselves and challenging themselves and um yeah sometimes i think the stuff of like the big stuff being out there doesn't always have the best artists or the biggest challenge yeah, yeah. also isn't it i think in a way it's all it's almost more validating to get someone from your industry who you respect to that thinks you're half decent mm. is for me a way bigger accolade than massive fame and success and and, and everything that comes with that if, you, if i get yeah. someone Q- from my Kudos industry says, oh, great, yeah, this, this guy's quite good that that yeah. to me is a much bigger badge of honor than massive commercial success yeah yeah that's true yeah that, it means much more rather mm. than just like thousands of faceless people doesn't it yeah. what was the circus thing you said acro acro balance acro balance it's where you like yeah it's where you stand on people it's really fun. Oh, so, <laughs> wow, it sounds amazing. Have you yeah, done like so you've been doing that? Have you been trying it? I had, obviously now not with quarantine well, yeah, yeah. it's it's high <laughs> contact. High contact, not sport, but activity. Um oh my god, like I because we were still doing it up till a, a couple of week well, like a week before quarantine started and it's it's kind of like it's amazing because you do these incredible things with your body and you're like you're, like I would have women standing on me and you're shaking and you're think you're gonna like fall over, but you just like discover these new strengths you have and it's so it's you have to be so intensely focused to not mm. drop a person you know you have to be really 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 focused but it was like 
it's also disgusting. Like you, you and the classes covered in each other's sweat and everyone stinks. <laughs> and so like a, a week before, before quarantine started, I was like, oh, I have a feeling this is going to be shut down. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, that's yeah. And we have a WhatsApp group and some people are really obsessed with it. Like some of us are just like, can't wait for Acrobalance class. And people were texting me like, shall we, shall we get together and do our own little Acrobalance classes? And there was a doctor in the Acrobalance class and he was like, absolutely not. <laughs> you're being irresponsible and like this was before anyone knew of like you have to wash your hands yeah, and not yeah. hug each other or anything um this is when people were still shaking hands but he was like i would strongly advise he was very angry i would strongly <laughs> advise you obviously i cannot control what you do but i would strongly advise you to take the public health in the, into account and so acrobalance is on pause <laughs> so have you have you seen oh sorry no no jim you go for it have you seen have you seen cheer on netflix no what's that it's a series, docu, it's docu-series, I guess, about a cheerleading team in um, Tex- Texas. But they do, when you're talking about sort of people on your shoulders and stuff, they're like following people doing a lot of these crazy yeah. pyramids and stuff. And there's a lot of that. And then it's like a six-part series and there's loads of tension as they go in towards the title and stuff. And some of the characters are incredible. So Is it like yeah, real people? Yeah, definitely recommend it. Yeah, it's real. Oh, yeah, okay. Real oh, people. Interesting. Yeah, to see that. recommend it. It's um because I I'm not really into cheerleading and, and we started watching. I was like, this is okay. By the fifth episode, I was like really into it and like really getting nervous when they go to the championship. Oh, they're gonna win! Oh, oh it was um, yeah, fascinating viewing. That's so great. So, wow. do you, are you normally the person at the bottom, or do you do you, or is it just does it um, do you swap around? No, you swap around. So mm. you call it base and flyer. So the okay. base, the people who are. Um, so, but I tend to have like there's there's a girl who's around my height and shape, and so we sw- switch around base and fly. Obviously, if it's like a big, tall, lanky man, um, yeah. you want to. I want to be the flyer there. Um, but we did have like it, you can be. It's a little bit like you don't want to offend people. You're trying to be politically correct because like we had uh, there have been a few weeks where there's like three of us, me and a girl, and then a big dude, and. You don't want to be like, I don't want to base you. So you try. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of have to leave it to them. The etiquette is you have to leave it to them to go, I'll I'll base. Yeah. You know, because it'd be rude to say, I think you are just too heavy to base, you know. So (laughs) there's there's social interesting dynamics there. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds amazing, though. And are you was that something you'd like to pursue doing more of? Or is it just an outlet? I love it. Yeah. Well, for now it's just an outlet like I really it's so much fun but I did originally I didn't really well like I like acting but I wanted to be more in movement and dance and I auditioned for dance schools didn't get in and I actually tried to audition for circus school but my mom put her foot down she was just like no I've let you do so many crazy things but I am putting my foot down as your mother you're not doing this and you know I kind of didn't think I would have got into the school anyway so I was like fair enough I'll just leave it um but now in recent times I've come back to it and I just it's so much fun because it's it's all about movement and understanding your body but it's kind of not as um, image focused as the dance scene. It's not as making perfect shapes. Like everyone's at different levels. And because it's really, really hard, everyone is really trying to help each other. They kind of sympathize with yeah. how hard it can be. So, um, I mean, I'd love to do some sort of performance, but that's not, I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just happy where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great. I like the idea of everyone supporting each other as well. I think that's nice. Yeah. You need that support from each, from, from, from people to, to succeed i'm wary i've only got eight percent left on my phone so i'm worried i might drop out at any moment because i'm hotspotting off my phone um 
Shall we ask the final question? I think we should, yeah. we ask all our guests. Um, so we normally ask our guests for their advice on, on blank moments for our listeners. And we know that we have listeners from all walks of life doing creative and non-creative stuff. But what would your advice be to anyone sort of going through blank moments in their life, be that creative or personal or whichever what sort of way you want to interpret it? <laughs> we tried to leave it open to interpretation. Oh, yes, that's it the point. Very, of isn't the very helpful, is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Because and lots of people interpret it differently. It can literally be, you know, going blank on stage, or people struggling to write, or it can be periods in people's lives where things aren't happening that totally. they want, or right. you know, yeah. whatever. So that's what really. I would interpret it. I would interpret it as periods in your life where nothing really exciting is happening, and you're feeling like, "What am I doing wrong?" Um, because I think there is such an emphasis as we were talking about on productivity and being out there and showing up and so Mm. my I have a shaman teacher and she talks about how like like we need to honor the seasons more the seasons of creativity we shouldn't always be in summer we shouldn't we can't we literally can't always be out there being like here's what I did I'm so isn't this fabulous look what I made like sometimes you have to she's like you have to go like winter where you have to kind of just rest and and hibernate and shed and then spring is where you're starting to plant the seeds and uh you know nothing you've nothing to show yet but you're working hard behind the scenes and um and and yeah and then summer is like the big exciting time that everyone thinks about but all of those seasons are equally valid and they're equally fulfilling and you should honor them you shouldn't put pressure on yourself to like to not have any blank periods there were just there's supposed to be moments in your life where just you feel lost and nothing's happening and it's it's a struggle and I think we 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 forget that because obviously the stuff we see in the media is always people showing the results like always showing I suppose their summer but like um I don't really want to talk about this too much because it's a bit too raw but like I'm I'm working on a book at the moment I'm writing and like yesterday I just had a quite a setback where my editor was like I'm way too busy with other projects at the moment because it took me so long to get her writing and she's like I actually can't really work with you at the moment and and that was like I I think I'd been so much being like gotta get this gotta you know Mm -hmm. I have to produce this you know, for me, it's like, now I have to step back and be like, okay, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not a sudden guaranteed thing. And you just have to honor the fact that I'm still in spring with this project and that's fine. And just, just that that's life. I think just a respect for nature, for the cycles of life. And, um, I mean, even like observing nature really helps me in those moments being being like that like looking at trees and looking at just how animals are it makes me be like oh yeah we're not our our life isn't supposed to be a a beautiful array of dazzling just creations it's yeah there's still a lot of time where we have to do the inner work um and so, yeah, in those periods, like, they can be hard. I, I find them really hard, and I, I like being out there and connecting with people, but I think it's all building you, and it's 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 all part of you. And I think in those times, you should just take it easy, go easy on yourself, and, and like, maybe just take some time out to do a hobby, to learn something, and you never know that where that will go. Yeah, I don't know if I've answered that well enough. No, that I think, do you know, that's oh, I, I liked the season. Oh, it's beautiful, that's a, yeah. such a nice way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, well, and it's also, the, like, the 
it's mirrored in so many parts of nature. Like, um, maybe this is TMI, but I feel like you guys would be up for it. Yeah. Like, um, the <laughs> menstrual cycle is also, that can be compared to seasons. Yeah. And my yeah. teacher, I have a teacher for everything. I have, like, a menstrual teacher. <laughs> You're going to think I'm a total, like, loon. But um, she, she talks about how, like, it's a relic of the patriarchal society that says that we should always be blooming like we you know Mm, whereas there's cycles of the woman's cycle where yeah again there's winter where you're supposed to be quiet and shed and you're not supposed to be out there being a social butterfly and doing lots of things you're supposed to just honor it's time to shed and rest and like she's she talks about how we should and i haven't mastered this because life is very hard to organize but she thinks we should be honoring those like we should be living our life in accordance with those and she says really the patriarchal society has put this unnatural focus and because you know that masculine energy is more testosterone fueled whatever Mm. but we should be respecting that um i don't know if i'm explaining this very well but but again there's a cycle to everything and it's it's we should we should live our life in accordance with those patterns and not put pressure on ourselves to always be one one thing one season yeah that's true that's so true yeah that's true it's it's respecting respecting the process respecting nature and respecting how things go and not trying to force it too much i think that's yeah i I can really relate to that that's good (laughs) (laughs) ivana it has been an absolute privilege to talk to you today thank you so much for your time it's been really fun thanks for inviting me on no no it's 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 so nice oh it's been great Yeah, yeah and it's so nice to finally chat to you properly yeah likewise you're just you're the nicest person on twitter giles i don't know if you know that but like i just see you always being so friendly and so nice and even reading your book yesterday i was like i kind of get it like people who've had who've had to deal with real grief i think they're changed by that they're much more they're kind of broken open so but like yeah you're just so kind and lovely and supportive and i love that i just don't think enough people are that i think people are so cagey Mm. and so afraid of how they come across and yeah, anyway, thanks for being so kind. Oh, well, no, that's... Well, I'm getting a bit, a bit emotional, actually. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. Um, no, honestly, that's um, genuinely really, really means a lot. Cool. <laughs> and you're Brilliant. great too, Great Jim. to meet you. <laughs> Sorry, I just <laughs> haven't talked to you as much. You're, right. <laughs> <laughs> you're lovely too. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's fine. I'll take that. No, yeah. it's been really nice meeting you Me and too. talking to you today. Yeah. Yeah. It's been lovely. Great. Well, there you go that was Ivana Lynch on the blank podcast what a great conversation was that indeed. was yeah really nice um one of those ones that went to a lot of different places you know she opened up about difficult periods in her life but then she was also telling us about current stuff and future thoughts and fears and kind of went everywhere really and it's, it's just we're so lucky that these people come on and, and talk so openly and but they're also so friendly at the same time we, I feel like we get a very specific nice guest mm. on and, and Ivana was another one yeah of and it's you know it's so nice because we, we chatted for about 20 minutes afterwards as well and you know and, and, and quite a long time before we started recording so you know it was just really nice for her to give us all that time and um, 
yeah, just to be able to chat and, and talk, you know, shoot the shit a little bit as well, which is just great, you know, just to see how we're all doing and um, reflect on that thing. You know, obviously she's really successful at what she does. And it was nice also to hear her talking about, you know, taking stock a little bit about, you know, with her own work. And this time has been a mm. time for her to reflect on what she's doing and, you know, what, what kind of projects she wants to pursue in the future. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, agreed, yeah. And it is nice to check in with each other and that's what these pods are doing in a way we are sort mm. of checking in with people and i think that's really important in this kind of sort of lockdown world so um yeah when, when those people also happen to be really nice and successful and friendly people then that's that's an added bonus so um yeah thank you very much ivana yeah, for joining you, us and, and as i say i have i have written down astrology instagram live so i'm going to try and check out some of that and see if i can learn a bit more about what was it that other well. phrase venus Venus retrograde, which I do think is a good name for a band, as usually. It's like a stargazing yeah. band. It's like an indie stargazing shoegazers. band, isn't it? Shoegazers, mm. yeah, mm. shoegazers, yeah. Anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, you can at the usual places: uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can do that at blank pod. And you can also email us. That old, that old technology, that old-fashioned way of contacting. Email, yeah. yeah. Remember emails? Mm. Um, our email address is theblankpodcast2018 at gmail.com. It certainly is. You see, you nail it every time now, Jim. <laughs> it's ingrained. I'm getting good at that now. now, yeah. Yeah, I don't I think, think we need to get lunch. Way, it's lunchtime. Hey, oh, blimey, it is yeah. lunchtime. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you're all keeping safe and well. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of The Blank Podcast. So take care, and we'll see you again Bye. soon. <laughs> uh, right, let me stop that. Oh no, <laughs> I forgot about the music. Thank you.